Hello there and welcome to Story You Talk Radio. I'm your host, Coach Debbie, and I am delighted that you have reserved this hour to spend with me as we dive into the stories you live by, whether that is your love relationship, your family relationship, your business relationship, your traveling relationship, whatever those stories are that build up your life. That's what we come here to talk about. And I bring to you my world-class wonderful advice, (laughs) as well as some of my favorite people in the coaching industry and authors as well. More and more and more, I tend to use this hour as a class, really a classroom, because among my highest values is teaching. And I really, really love to help bring people back to their center, which to me is back to the story we are living by. It's our present story. It's the one happening now, not the one that happened a year or two or 20 ago, and not the one that's going to be on the horizon in another year or two or 20, but the one that's going on now, the one that we can make a lot of impact on right now. Today, we're going to be talking about your story, of course, but we're going to be talking to one of my very, very favorite professionals in the area of NLP counseling and coaching. I'll be bringing him on very soon. His name is Clayton Olson, and hopefully you caught our show together. It was about two years ago this time when we talked about his work that he does in the Denver, Colorado area with Jack Butler, his business partner. And they talk about a theme that we're going to get into today. It's really around the whole notion of insecurities that come up in definitely in love relationships, but they come up in business. They come up in our families and, and, Two of the key words he uses are discarded and defended. And I've just learned a lot following his YouTube videos. He's got 165,000 people following him. And 15 and a half million people have looked up his bio to determine if they might work with him. Wow, isn't that great? So a lot of great advice coming your way, as well as our own stories and our own experiences. It's my job, if you ask me, to help you come up with the right words for your stories. Your stories might be a book or a blog or a brand or a a speech or a TED Talk, maybe. Who knows? But but you are out in the world being very expressive. You're also in your personal world expressing yourself. And as a coach, I really help people get in touch with what are the words you want to say and how might you say them in the right way and how might you find the right time to say those words. 
because your words are one of the greatest ways that you are honest and clear and focused and that you express what's really on your heart. So one thing I like to tell people that tune into my show is that this is not a scripted show. I, I bring in sometimes a note card, colored note cards I prefer, and I'll put a few words on them to key me when I need to keep touch with where I'm at in the show. Or like today, I have one of my favorite spiral notebooks where I've got notes of the last time I've, I talked to Clayton. But really, what I love to do is just get centered so I can have a conversation with you and I can really feel into what it is you might want to be talking about. But you can always help me, you know. You can write in. I always have my Facebook Messenger open while the show is going on. You can write to me at my professional page, which is Coach Debbie, and that's spelled D-E-B-B-Y. Or you could write to me at my personal page, and that's Debbie Handrich. Handrich is just like it sounds. It's H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H. And Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y. So you can, you can do that, or you can call in. And our phone number here is going to be offered to you by the wonderful sound engineer, Eric, who I'm hanging out in the studio with today in Bellevue, Washington. How you doing there, Eric? Good. It's great to see you and have your nice, warm energy here in the studio once again. And yes, I can attest that it, the show is not scripted. This is off the dome, as they say. Ooh, off the dome. <laughs> yes. I love that. But uh, yeah, we, we love taking questions here from callers. So if you've got a question for Debbie, give us a call. 425-373-5527. That's 425-373-5527 or toll-free 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-KKNW. And of course, if they have a question for our guest today, too, they should call that number. Yes, for sure. And you're going to want to. As you're feeling questions bubbling up, just pick up that phone or log on to your computer and send that question our way. We've already got Laura and uh, somebody else. I can't see quite that far. (laughs) We've got somebody else in the queue right now. But we would love, love, love to be taking your call. So... You let us know if there's something on your mind. Meanwhile, like I was saying, I'm offering help, coaching, love, guidance, assistance for the stories you live by. And if you are creating a book, a speech, a blog, and you would like to get in a one-month program, a 90-day program, or if you like my fearless client Rebecca and you'd like to work one-on-one I have to give Michael Michael a lot of credit too we've been doing a lot of one-on-one Al Al we've also been doing a lot of one-on-one I'm I'm here to help you with that and currently I have three brand new spots in my 90-day program and I have two new spots 
to work one-on-one. Just head on over to my website or call in or go to Facebook. There's all kinds of ways to get in touch with me. The website is Coach Debbie. Again, that's D-E-B-B-Y dot com. I'd love to find out what you're up to, what you want to create, so we can get that out into the world in 2021. And later on in the show, I'm going to be sending out some congratulations to people I have been working with that currently have brand new books out in the world. And they've been doing happy dances now for several weeks, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to my guest today, Clayton Olson. We were talking about the fact that he has a brilliant YouTube channel called Clayton Olson Coaching, and hundreds of thousands of people listening, 15 million people inquiring on what he's all about, wonderful, wonderful YouTube, as well as a webinar that he and his business partner, Jack Butler, put together. So let's uh, say hello to Clayton Olson. How are you today, my friend? Thank you for having me, Debbie. I am doing excellent. Yeah, wrapping up the day with a conversation with you just is uh, it's delightful. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. When I see you on social media, I notice you're sometimes out having a hike. And like I said, your videos are very, very professional. So I know you're a busy mm. man, and I really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Thank you. I'm surprised that it's been two years when you said that. That actually surprised me. I thought that uh, we had done the show sooner than that, but uh, I can't believe how fast time flies. I thought it was a year ago. I thought we did it right before the whole, dare I say the word, pandemic thing. And and I went looking and a digging and a looking and a digging, and it was May 2019. (laughs) And I went, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that kind of, maybe maybe we were we were probably trying to arrange something sooner, but this is how it's worked out. But yep. the good news is that people have been looking forward to you coming back. And huh. we we might even have I've been telling my listeners that I want to be bringing on uh, relationship coaching, business coaching and health coaching. So we might be having the opportunities to visit together and with listeners more and more. So that excites me as well. Cool. We have a lot of people, Clayton, out there that are looking for ways to manage their feelings. I should tell mm. people listening in today that we always take a break at 20 minutes after and 40 minutes after, which is a great time to type in your questions. But in, in the real world that we're all trying to get back to and adapt to and figure out where we left off and where we can pick up, relationships are the thing that's on so many people's minds. I mean, Clayton, I help yeah. people write their books, but just about the first thing people want to tell me about is what's going on with their boss or what's going on with their husband or... Mm-hmm. What's going on with their kids? I'm just curious. 
Are you mm-hmm. finding people are antsy to talk to you as well these days? Yeah, absolutely. I think that on a macro level, uh, everything is being arra- uh, rearranged right now for folks. And that then zooms right into people's personal lives. Um, I think relationships are being rearranged. People are spending more time with their partners than they used to, or relationships that were budding may have ended. Uh, relationships are changing with work. Relationships are changing with family. Um, I've seen family split with politics. And yeah, it just seems like relationships are really a center point right now. And the dissolution of some and the uh, the regeneration of others. Yes, yes, well said. And I I want to assure people that we have what it takes to go through these changes. It's inside of us. And, and people like Clayton and people like myself are here to help coach you and learn along with you and dialogue with you. But what I, what I really want to assure people in is that the, the magnetic mystery of it all doesn't have to be so dark and so scary. Maybe if we just bring it into our conversations, maybe, maybe, maybe we will find solution a little sooner. Has this kind mm-hmm. of been your experience, Clayton? I would say that it's the motto for my coaching, really, Mm. is that, yeah, transformation happens through dialogue and it happens through relationship. And by being in conversation with somebody about what you feel is maybe your personal experience or something you feel isolated in, it it actually, that container has the, the power to shift things. Yes, yes. Talk to me a little about the word container just for a moment because in yeah. your background um, of NLP and and the backgrounds of many that have been teaching me, the word container comes up and I, I think of it as a coaching word that a lot of people, they don't quite know what does that mean. Can, can you tell yeah. us a little about that? Yeah, definitely. So when I name container what i'm speaking to is the the formal place the territory in which a a conversation actually occurs so a container is a 60 that could be a 90 minute phone call Uh, that's a very kind of literal way of looking at it Um, but a container is also in some ways the intention of why we're entering into a dialogue with somebody and what we what we might be wanting to create as a result of being in conversation So when I talk about holding the container, when I'm in dialogue with somebody, what I mean is that there is a certain quality of listening and a certain presence that I am bringing to the conversation with an intention that is co-created with a client so that we could help them transcend some type of problem, challenge that they might be struggling with. Oh, excellent. Well said. And also this great word, transcend. When um, that was introduced to me, I thought, I honestly, back in in graduate school, which was a long time ago now, uh, when I first heard the word transcend, I thought it had something to do with positive thinking, but it doesn't really. Um, 
to me, transcend means that you cross a bridge from an old way into a new way that's going to serve you so much better. You, you really have to let go of the old way and even, even relying on it or thinking it, it works and picking up something altogether new, getting into like mm. a, a new practice with it. Does yeah. that ring true for you? Something you might add to that? Yeah, that rings very true for me. And the piece that I would add to that is when I imagine something transcending, it's almost like we're moving to a higher level of perspective. We're, we're getting altitude on wherever it is that we're currently in so that we might be able to see the bigger picture of what's actually happening. Oh, I like that very much. I completely left that out. Yes, we're, we're not just making a... A latitudinal job change or something. Latitudinal, mm. is that a word, Debbie? I don't know. But uh, we're, we're, yes, we're, we're achieving higher ground with that transformation. Well said. Yes. Look at that. Yeah. We're already at 20 after. Wow. We have to take wow. our first break. <laughs> uh, okay. So here we go. First break, 90 second kids, and we're going to come right back with your questions. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Hello. I'm Nathan Mum. Join me and Mike Gray as we host a weekly technology show that talks about technology for the everyday common person. We are a live radio program that airs Saturday from 4 to 5 p.m. on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. If you go to facebook.com forward slash techtimeradio, youtube.com forward slash techtimeradio, or twitch.tv forward slash techtimeradio, you can catch us live Saturdays from 4 to 5 p.m. You can find us at all podcast services online from Apple to Google and everything in between. Wherever you go, Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you. And welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. Today we are getting into the transformation of your relationships, the ones that matter so much to you. We're talking with Clayton Olson who is an NLP coach and counselor in Denver, Colorado. But anywhere on the planet, you can follow his work because he has been on YouTube now since, so 2014, 15, something like that. Somewhere back there, you think? I think that's right. <laughs> Somewhere yeah. in there. And we're, we're starting to get some questions coming in about relationship. How do we do it? And I love it when y'all write to us because we're dealing with the real live stuff you're going through. So let's just move right into a question from Laura. And Laura is really concerned about how 
you know, relationship has a, a level of surprise um, that often, as she puts it, will come up as you're closing out that first year together. So here we're thinking about, about dating and really picking people that are good for us. So Laura says, after the honeymoon phase and the rose-colored glasses come off, how do we determine the clues that show up in the next phase of getting to know one another? Should we live with irritating behavior that arises after that first six, eight, ten initial months? Or is it okay to want all that was offered in those first several months? Seems like we're supposed to get really good at self-love right around the time that the idiosyncrasies come into full view. I don't really know if I have a question, but I sure am concerned about this if you care to address it on your show. So, I got it right in front of me if you want me to reread anything. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, great question. And I think it's it's a big one, too. I think a lot of people can relate to it. Uh, I know that I can in my relationship. I remember that first year and the transition into really, truly getting to know her. And I, I like this question. I mean, this is an interesting one. I think it's very revealing. Should we live with the irritating behavior? Yeah. Um, or if I'm understanding the question, kind of want what uh, was... Uh, happening during the honeymoon phase instead, like wanting that person to, like almost not wanting to deal with the irritating behavior. And I think one piece of, one insight that I might put out there is that when the honeymoon phase is done, this is when we get to practice, rather than being struck by love, we get to work love like a verb. Mm -hmm. In the honeymoon phase, it's almost like we have, there's almost like no choice. We just it's so easy to love because we are seeing them with rose color glasses. Uh, there's projections of the perfect partner that we are putting on them. We, there's gratitude that we're overwhelmed by. And then after that is over, there's a real opportunity for us to take responsibility for creating that state on our own, for creating gratitude for that partner, for learning to love the maybe irritating behavior that we're in contact with. And I think that's truly part of how we develop our hearts and how we develop as human beings is learning to love the things that are difficult to love. Now, that doesn't mean loving abuse or uh, loving some type of incompatibility that is really core against your values. But what I do think it means is that we get an opportunity to practice truly accepting and loving the person in front of us. And it's hard work from my experience and from the clients that I work with, like this stuff is some of the most difficult, but rewarding work that you will do in your lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, I think back to the fact that uh, when my mother was dating my stepfather, I was, I was just a little girl. So I got to watch it. You know, and I, I remember her coming home and saying, you know, one day um, 
you know, this is this is going to be your new daddy. And I just thought, well, I already have a daddy. You know, I, I don't know that I want a new daddy. Um, and And realizing that what that meant was I was going to have a relationship with someone who was living in the house with us. You know, my my other daddy wasn't going to go away, but I was going to have this new relationship. I got to know him too. So in a weird way, as a child, I went through my own honeymoon phase with this person. I went through being adored with toys and, you know, getting ice cream and treats while he was getting to know me. And it seemed like the minute they got married, it all went away. <laughs> you know? And and I don't know if I have that right or not, but, um, but I do remember all of a sudden new things came in. Like he became a disciplinarian where he, he wasn't before they got married. He, he voiced certain rules. So sometimes when I've been in new relationship with men, I've thought about that time when when I was going from kind of the honeymoon phase with with the potential stepdad, you know, who actually became a stepdad, to that crossing over time when he became someone who co-parented. He was no longer a pal, you know. Mm. He was co-parenting and and he was a rule person. And and I have noticed in relationship there there comes this point when a a man will often make his his intentions very real and he'll shift from being someone who just you know, thinks it's awesome that you have a business or loves to come and pick you up or would mm. would just think, you know, Italian food every other Friday night, sure, let's go there, or whatever, to all of a sudden, um, oh, shall we say, just becomes really lackadaisical, really, really, really. So unlike the stepfather, not a disciplinarian, but like the stepfather, reveals a new behavior. And, um, and yeah, we're sitting there yeah. going, hmm, I, I haven't seen much of this before. And I, I don't know, I don't know how lazy I want to be with you. There, there's like a, um, when Laura and I were talking before the show, um, one of the things I said to her was, I never really believed in honeymooning, uh, like in my twenties and thirties. It it just felt like, uh, it just felt like relationship was easier. But when I knew I wanted a husband, there there became that shift of the the honeymoon phase and the we're in this together phase, and and I think couples, you know, man-women couples, women-women couples, male-male couples have a hard time adulting into this is real. This Mm. is real. This is long-term. This is wanted. And what what roles am Mm. I 
going to show up in and offer? Mm-hmm. And how are we going to talk about it? How are we going to make all that happen? Wow, I just went on a tangent there. I didn't mean to. Um, <laughs> yeah, but- I mean, you bring up some good points. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing you say, Debbie, too, just the word, like there's a, a romance in the beginning. It's almost like romantic love in the beginning. And then there's this waking up to, well, wait a second. We're not just talking about being in a lovership together. Now we're talking about being in a partnership. And that partnership is going to take some adjusting on both people. And it's almost like there there is this third entity that's created. That's the relationship. Yeah. And it, to to in, keep that alive and to have that thrive, it may require both people to adjust and truly be intentional about who they are bringing as a way of being into that relationship. And it might mean single behavior has to uh, actually dissolve and more relational behavior has to come online. And not everybody's got a, a working blueprint for that. So we have to be able to communicate about these things, these grievances when they come up so that we can teach each other how to be in the relationship. Yes. And I love the term you just said, the relational behavior, because it it's telling, I think it, it says that there's, there's a time to really start to tune into compatib- compatibility on the level of values and on the level of day to day. Because I think when we're dating, um, we're really looking for those values to be met because if they're not, the person's out, right? You know, it, if I if I value the notion of being a career woman and making money and the person I'm dating says, oh, no, 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 the the minute you and I become serious, you'll be giving up that job. Well, you know, I I understand that's not going to work. But mm-hmm. but the does he like to ski? Do I like to ski? Does he like the TV on all day? Do I like more peace and quiet? All that stuff seems so whatever until the honeymoon phase is fading out. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. there's the relating. And and I th- I think it is tricky to find our clarity because our insecurities are coming up. And I know you and Jack are so good at talking about these terms. The the one that that feels hers or his insecurity come up as more of a defended type or the one that feels it more as a departed type. So maybe bringing that language in for our listeners would help ground uh, a little more, at least what I'm talking about. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. you're doing Mm -hmm. a great job here, but I'm finding I have so many things people have been saying to me knowing that I was going to offer this show today. So um, will you talk to us about some of that languaging that you and Jack offer in your teachings? Hmm. Yeah. So just to connect for myself so I can go into this with, with a, yeah, a bit of a thread here. Uh, 
if we're talking about values and we're talking about the differences that can come up in relationships after the honeymoon phase, one key distinction that I see that comes up that can become uh, an issue that can actually, that can very well break people up or it can cause a lot of turmoil in the relationship is people's desire around closeness with the other person. And so sometimes you'll have one person who really wants to be in their own space and another person who um, really wants to be connected much more than the person feels they have capacity for. And uh, those two polarities, if they're not talked about, if they're not recognized, can create uh, a level of blaming and guilting and shaming in the relationship, either to the other person or to ourselves, where we think something's wrong with us. Now, to bring in these names that you spoke to, the defender and the discarded, um, it's kind of similar to uh, the avoidant and the anxious in a relationship. Yeah. But I'm naming them the defender and the discarded because I think it just speaks to another flavor of the experience. The discarded can tend to feel like in the relationship that they're not really being valued. They often have the experience that maybe they are giving and they're giving and they're giving, but they're not getting what they're wanting in return. The discarded has the experience of feeling that they're being discarded in the relationship possibly. And uh, there can be a preoccupation around the connection that can be very encompassing. Now, on the flip side of that, the discarded can often get into relationship with somebody who might have a little bit of the defended archetype or the defender archetype. And the defender archetype is typically much more independent, much more guarded, and can often feel threatened uh, by engulfment if they get too close to the other person. So the defendant is typically trying to create some type of distance in the relationship so that they can feel okay in the relationship, which then can trigger the discarded feeling that they're not good enough. That if they were more valuable, if they were, if there was something different about them, that the defended would want them to be closer. So these two trigger each other. They can end up triggering each other in the relationship. And um, if we we don't understand these kind of two different ways of relating, uh, we can feel very alone in our relationship. We can feel very alone that there's something wrong with us, um, and that just adds another level to guilt and shame and. Um, isolation with these experiences. So I'll just pause there for a moment in case there's any kind of tributary that you want to dive down with that. But is what I'm saying making sense? Totally. <laughs> totally. And something I've I've noticed in, in myself and in people that I work with is mm. that we we can adopt a different role depending on uh, the person that we are in love relationship with. You know, for, for example, I, in, in the depth of, of building a career, um, I leaned a little further into being more avoidant. And um, without a career, I found myself being more of the one that had a, a defended, more avoidant partner and um, could, I would sometimes feel those discarded feelings you 
talked about. I had to work really, yes. really hard at at autonomy. Or yeah. is autonomy the word? The the whole notion of just having a fullness of my life and mm. and um and and if I didn't put a lot of energy into that, sometimes I would find myself in that discarded place. Whereas um, years before, deep in my career, I I felt a, almost a pseudo uh, a pseudo confidence in my marriage because I was very busy, and if mm. anything was wrong, I could just be a little defensive or detached and carry on. <laughs> and I'm right. not proud of it, but I do notice that both, you know, I'm the same person, but different roles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think it is context dependent. And it's also just, it's dependent on where you're at in your life and what is your priority. Um, and, and I think the key thing too here is what I'm hearing is like, if you are and can identify with any one of these roles, it's, it's nothing to be ashamed about. And sometimes just having these roles distinguish that these are actually very classic ways of showing up or ways of suddenly feeling in relationship that happen to such a, an enormous amount of the population. Uh, we can realize that it's like, this is just part of being human and mm. that the work is moving out of these roles and learning really to, to be securely attached in a relationship. Um, and that comes down to, I think, something that you and I talked about uh, off air, which was learning how to be with those feelings that yes. these roles are ultimately trying to defend us from feeling. Oh, perfect. Melanie is bringing up something that I think is going to take us really, really smoothly into that topic. So, sure. friends, hang on here while we take our last commercial break and we're going to come right back. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. I want to take a minute and invite you on over to the Love Shack. It's a little old place where we get to get together, explore fresh perspectives, eavesdrop on juicy conversations and uncover the mysteries that nobody talks about but absolutely influences our relationships and we're tom and stacy bartley we are the hosts of love shack live which airs every thursday at 1 p.m pst 11 50 kknwam yeah come on over and join us we look forward to connecting with you soon conversation you won't find on the rest of the dial alternative talk 11 50 And welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. Did you hear that? KKNW has uh, Love Shack Live, the radio show that talks a lot about what we're talking about right here. You can catch that on KKNW 1150 AM as well. 
But today, I am here, Coach Debbie, with my with my guest Clayton Olson, and we are talking about being in relationship and all kinds of different relationships. But anytime you say the word relationship, all the lovers get in line and send you their great, juicy, glorious, wonderful stuff. And we've got something here from Melanie. And she says, lately, I have been feeling very insecure. Thank you for your newsletter and for opening up this topic. What do I do about my gentleman friend who is gregarious in public, even with my friends and families, even on the holidays when you wouldn't think he would be? But he's a bit of a stick in the mud at work. Oh, sorry. After work, early in the mornings or any time we've been alone day after day. It's getting a little old, but this is somebody that I really love and I really know I want to be with. But there's a dramatic change from who he is outside of the home and who he is at home. It's brought up a lot of feelings of insecurity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm well, no stranger to that. I know Clayton can can give you some lovely words of advice here. Yeah. Yeah. So the hit that I'm getting as I hear that question is um, first, Melanie, uh, thank you for having the courage to ask that and also just being vulnerable about feeling insecure. Um, I get it. Uh, if here your partner, in some ways, it sounds like he's enjoying, you can witness him enjoying life when he's out and about, but it seems like you're having a different experience of him when he's with you. And it sounds like there's a conclusion that you are making his behavior mean about yourself, which I would get really curious about. And what it sounds like you might be making his behavior mean is that because he's different when he's at home with you, that somehow that uh, you are to blame possibly for him maybe being a stick in the mud around the house. And if that is in fact what you're doing, um, I would slow down and um, see if there's any other possible interpretations of what might actually be going on. Um, So one way to just get underneath this and look at it is, Would you imagine still feeling insecure if you knew 100% without a shadow of a doubt that his behavior had nothing to do with you? Mm. That would be the first question that I would ask and just for you to sit with. Um, Because right now I know that I can, when I look at my life with this year long pandemic that we've been in over a year at this point, um, I know that, uh, I think a lot of people's lives have gotten very insular and the ability to be out and about and socializing, there may very well be a very extreme contrast that we're witnessing, one that we would see more so than the other because people have been cooped up. I don't know his specific situation with you, um, but if that is the case, uh, this could be more kind of situational, a situational thing that you're witnessing more so than something that has to do with you. Um, 
that would be my first take on it. I do have more to say on it, but I'd love to pitch it back to you, Debbie. And number one here, if what I'm saying sounds like it lands and also what your thoughts are on it. Well, lovely, lovely take on this. We, so much of, of what I take people through in my courses are the, the hero's journey and how we move through these stages of really being called into our growth. And I, I think one of the things that is such a huge takeaway for me around Joseph Campbell's work is that meaning only lives where we assign it. You know, those, those are my words, not necessarily his, but, but this notion that, that Melanie could be giving meaning to situation that her gentleman friend uh, wouldn't agree with. He wouldn't necessarily yeah. say, you know, gosh, um, I don't know that I am a stick in the mud. I, th I think I'm just relaxing. And I think you're lovely mm. or whatever else. I, I, don't, mm. I don't know the situation well enough either, but I, I do know how easy it is to create meaning as the quickest avenue possible to make sense out of what we just don't know. I know. We, I like we, assign, yeah. we assign some sort of meaning because it's just too uncomfortable to hang out and go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what he's thinking, I don't know what he's doing, I don't know. So it's got to be me. You know, it's just can't be anything other than that. So now that I know that, I got myself a nice big problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? Well, and that's really such a, that's well said because, you know, one might be like, well, why would we turn against ourselves or why would we possibly make it our issue that they are behaving a certain way? And here's the, the interesting uh, payoff or benefit of doing that is that if we make ourselves the source of the problem, then we have hope that we can change and be the source of the solution. Ooh, good. I like right? that. I like but that. Yeah, but to not blame ourselves for something that's happening then actually has us be powerless to change it. Yeah. Right? It has us feel more powerless to change it because it's like, well, I don't know what's going on. He's this way and this way, and he's over here in this context. And if it doesn't have to do with me, then what can I really do to change it if I'm not liking this? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I can say directly to Melanie, one of the things that helps me more than anything in the whole world around that notion that Clayton is talking about here is, is the Al-Anon 12-step program where the word powerless comes up all the time. And, and we, we learn in programs like that where there are so many places where we want just 2% or 2,000% more power because it would just give us relief. But if we can admit maybe we don't have power right here, but we do in, in so many things and in so many ways, we find ourselves cultivating something lovely with ourself that um, really, really takes us out of the equation that um, our partner is the way they are because of us. Instead, it's they are who they are. They are who they are. And what a 
what a tricky thing to let be if we're used to going in and influencing. Yeah. You know, with all our yeah. might. You got energy mm. for one more? We have a nice man, Patrick, writing in about work. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> I love it. You always have energy mm -hmm. for more. Okay. So Patrick's in a heck of a bind here. <laughs> he says okay. he says I work around seven I work around several. Is that seven or several? Sorry Patrick, I'm not sure I got the word right. I work around several beautiful women and I don't know how to talk. How am I supposed to be the project manager? and the only dude on the team. I feel stupid sometimes. I'm supposed to offer direction and keep things pro and fun, but not reveal that I find them so hot and interesting. <laughs> it's strange. <laughs> it's strange because I don't even have a favorite. I fire mm. up Zoom, and there they are. And I don't even know my name anymore. No respect, <laughs> Miss Coach Debbie. We just live in a weird, weird world where you're supposed to be born knowing how to do everything. Please help me with this one. Hmm. Mm. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, well... You know, Patrick, I feel for you. Just, I'll throw <laughs> that out there right now. And I don't think that you're the, the first one to get uh, tongue-tied around beautiful women. I know that uh, that absolutely has happened to me. And um, I think it is quite a situation to be in where you're working with several of them and they're all on your team and you're supposed to be professional. And yet you're, it, you're the thinking. different neurochemical. Yeah, go ahead. And you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're, you're feeling. <laughs> yeah, you got this chemical cocktail exploding inside of your brain about it. So, um, hmm. So, what to do in that situation? I mean, part of me, when I hear that, is uh, there's something around just kind of embracing it and uh, not making yourself. Uh, be wrong or like there's something wrong because you're feeling attraction towards them. So if there's any level of like shame or you're trying to repress it necessarily, um, if there's, and that's, this doesn't necessarily mean that you're being unprofessional or uh, crossing boundaries uh, within the workplace, but if you can relieve yourself from thinking that there's something wrong that you feel attracted to them, uh, that might actually allow the feeling to pass and complete and for you to regain your composure and find your balance in the situation. Um, but if you're kind of like holding that feeling at bay and you're just, and, and you're making yourself wrong for it and you're feeling shame around it, uh, it, it tends to just stay stuck in that place. This is what happens with feelings. When we don't allow ourselves to feel them, they can get stuck. So that would be one piece of advice. And again, that doesn't mean that you're actually acting on it in terms of any behavior. It just means allowing yourself to feel. And it's like, wow, I'm around some attractive women and I'm noticing myself get a bit tongue-tied and that's okay. That's okay. And what I imagine happening is after a little while of being around this, it will become commonplace and you will adapt and you'll find your footing and it will be a, a problem of the past. 
that's my shot at it, Debbie. What what do you think about that? I think that's awesome. I was I was just pulling up uh, Facebook Messenger to see if he was adding anything more here. Um, so sorry, Patrick. I think I bumbled over a few of your words there, but uh, I do feel that Clayton gave you excellent advice here. The only thing I could say, Patrick, in terms of relating is that there was there was one time in my long ago past where I worked in a restaurant and I was just insanely attracted to the manager and I I I, I just kept bumping into things and falling down and, and just breaking things. <laughs> I, I was a wreck. You know, I was a complete wreck. And and finally after I told someone about it um, I, I got my wits about me, and and I just remembered there. There's beautiful people everywhere. There's beautiful people everywhere, and sometimes our our mind just uses it to spin us out of control. And it it really doesn't mean anything more than the fact that that we we are these natural beings that have. I think Clayton called it this cocktail mix. We get all flustered and everything, but what if we were just reminded that there's beauty all around us? I mean, how lucky you are, Patrick, to go on Zoom and voila, you know, you are delighted by beauty. What if it was just a thing of nature to enjoy the beauty and, and, uh, and one step at a time. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's about as good as my advice gets. I think Clayton's was 100% better here. Well, I think we're saying the same thing, right? I, and I'd love your, just to underline what you're saying, just enjoy the beauty and, and don't make what you're feeling um, wrong. Don't make it right? wrong. Just in, yeah, just enjoy it. And it, like, yeah, what a high quality problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're surrounded by beautiful people. You know, it's just, it's what a... What a blessing in some ways. And I want to note that as we're closing the show here, everyone has uh, contributed, Laura, Melanie, Patrick, with high-quality things on your mind about relationship, the real stories you're living by. And I want to thank you for putting us to the test to reach into our own tool bag to help you out. I want to welcome you back every Thursday to join me for new topics. Until next week, my friends, namaste.